Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. With the new Dexcom G7, you can achieve better diabetes results without painful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or watch so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affects your glucose, making it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take more control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. That's Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com slash compatibility. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to HelpMyGamblingProblem.org for free confidential services. What I really wanted to get to coming off last night, Dad, is as we have started down the back half of the NBA's regular season now, we have got a lot of very fiery players, but we've also got water finding its level. And I, I think it's interesting as we get yeah. to this stretch of the year, we talk about all the time during the NBA's regular season, how long it is, the player motivations, how teams are structuring it, who cares about the regular season at, at this point. And I think now as we get here, you're starting to see some of the more veteran teams, some of the teams that are more built for deep postseason runs have been a part of that recently, starting to dial it in, including the defending world champion Denver Nuggets, Dad, who last night dropped the Golden State Warriors and now notched their seventh win in a row against the Warriors, 10th in their last 11. And Dad are starting to look a little bit more like the champs again. I think for a lot of people seeing the Nuggets hanging around the 4-5 spot for a lot of this season after they'd been perennial one seeds in the last few years, maybe had them doubting, all right, is there that same fire there? They had to change some of the bench parts. But now all of a sudden, Nikola Jokic, who goes out there and puts up yet another triple-double, his third straight last night, is starting to once again, I think, remind people, hey, I'm the best player on the planet still, and this tandem of him and Jamal Murray might be prime for another very yeah. deep postseason run for them. How impressed were you by this team, Dad? Well, I mean, yeah, I, I think what you said is right, water finding its level. Now, Oklahoma City is on a bit of a winning streak as well, and they're still ahead as well as Minnesota is ahead of Denver, but just by a game and a half. So that's one of the things we talked about as the the this last part of the season was going to start. Could those teams who are not used to seeing up near the top of a conference, could they hold that? And I don't know. It just seems like Denver is going to make that run. You mentioned Jokic, 32-16-16, and 16, throwing four steals uh, as well. Murray with 27. I mean, just just what they're doing. And, and and But it's always amazing. When you're watching Golden State, you're always thinking of them as one of the top teams, and they certainly have been that way. But they lose. The Lakers lose uh, as well to the Suns. So 
we're still talking about the ninth and 10th seed for these two teams with two of the greatest players we have ever seen. Always seems like we're hoping for more, yet here we are, you know, with the likes of Denver doing what they do, you know, to be back where they're going to be. So, yeah, Denver, Denver's rounding out into that form. As we said, we have about 20-some games to go, and I still would expect them to be, if not at the top, well, they're at the, th- what, the three right now. I would, I, I would be yep. somewhat stunned if they weren't atop of the Western Conference by the time the season ended. Yeah, you have the uh, ever-changing. The Western Conference playoff picture is so bottlenecked, especially from one through four. And then you've got the issues of five and six. It's changing so much every day. The Phoenix Suns fluctuating wildly. The Sacramento Kings getting a big win last night. So a lot of this coming up. You mentioned the Warriors, Dad. Since Draymond Green had returned, this is a team that has been incredibly hot. Now, including last night, they're 11 and five since his return. But also in that time leading up to last night, they'd been the third best offense in the NBA, the fourth best defense, and the third best net rating in the league since Draymond had come back and they had figured out some things with Kaminga. I think what last night also signifies is the West is, and this is not anything revelatory, but all going to be incredibly matchup dependent, right? You look at what Golden State was able to do against a team like the Los Angeles Lakers that doesn't have nearly the three-point shooting presence and profile that the Denver Nuggets do. Even though they've got the big men inside that could overwhelm what Golden State's got, Denver matches both of those things pretty well. And so the results are what they were. At least that game ended without violence. Emerson, we had a ton of NBA games where everyone just decided to resort to these hands by the end of it. Please give me more scuffles, more dudes beefing with each other. We had a lot in the NBA this weekend, really a lot over the past couple weeks. So two Friday, one Saturday, multiple ejections in that Heat-Pelicans game, two dust-ups at the end of multiple contests here, guys. The Hornets and Warriors leading to Draymond Green calling out Mr. Grant Williams. But Grant Williams got to stop it, man. He he can't keep like, being a, like this tough guy is going absolutely wrong for him. Like he's a really nice guy, and and um for some reason he keeps like trying to jump on the unlikable side. And I must tell you, it's not always fun over here. Um, it's not always a good time. Uh, and so I don't know, man. He need to figure it out. Uh, Cause boy, I mean, talking too much kind of got you out of Dallas. Uh, Go Gojo, it's now <laughs> that time of year again where everyone thinks to themselves, "Man, I really wish we had the old NBA." The players hating each other, not trying to be buddy buddy on Instagram and riding banana boats together in the off season. Here, I think a few beefy throwdowns like this is good for the league. A couple punches thrown, good for the league. The league won't say that, but I will. You know what? I think it is a good reminder that you're right. There is a lot of underlying passion here. Like these guys do care a lot about it. That being said, all are not created equal is what I want to remind people because there's some stuff that I'll never really understand with a lot of this. Now, the Grant Williams of it all, dad, this guy, well-earned reputation. I still have that image of Grant Williams head-to-head with Jimmy Butler in that Heat series lodged in my brain where that ended up being the thing that a lot of people pointed to as a turning point in that series. But hey, if you're Grant Williams, this is how you've survived in the league. Like, I understand Draymond really trying to put up the walls on, you know, bad guy island over here. Like, he is the grand poobah of everyone that wants to live over on the dark side here. But this is how Grant Williams survived, man. We talk about this all the time. There are some players where you got to make this your identity because the rest of your game is not nearly enough to keep you around in this league as long as you end up in this league.
I love Draymond Green. Alva th- thinks Grant, Grant Williams shouldn't be the heel now, right? Don't be the heel. You know, you're too nice yeah. a guy. You can't be the heel. But yeah, you got to play with what your strength is. And sometimes, you know, it's it's mixing it up. And and that's kind of what you get known for. And, and I get what Emerson's saying about, you know, wanting the people to battle a little bit. Unfortunately, Warriors and Hornets doesn't, you know, really bring about, <laughs> oh, my God, here's that rivalry. These guys hate each other. <laughs> you know, yeah. they're, they're going to really mix it up in this one. <laughs> I think I think one issue is, too, here, guys, it's like rivalries now are, like, between players. They're not necessarily between teams anymore, like they were back when guys were throwing each other down and getting in flat-out brawls, like in the 90s and 80s and all that stuff. Yeah, I heard uh, Bamani Jones and Dominique Fox were talking about this on the right time the other day about how the NBA has really always in the modern era pushed more towards marketing players than teams. And so a lot of it does create just what you talked about there is we tend to follow those rivalries between players wherever they're going because we know players can have such an effect at on the teams in this sport more so than most. Well, yeah, it's players now because there's a lot more player movement, right? Then what Emerson mentioned, you know, in the 80s and 90s, guys were on the same team and you form. It was like when I was playing in my most of my years in the 80s, we didn't hit free agency until my last year in 93. So a lot of teams were just the same. So you play when we played Dallas, you know, in my six, seven years in Philly, played them 12, 14 times. You're playing against the same guys over and over and over again. You develop something there. You develop, you know, an animosity, a hatred, whatever it is during those 60 minutes. But when players start changing all over the place, like they started to do in football and certainly started to do in basketball, I think it makes the team rivalries a little bit different. We keep trying to hang on to a Pittsburgh-Baltimore, you know, kind of kind of thing, you know, kind of kind of rivalry there. But when you get changing players, it's kind of tough to go team by team. It's true. They just want to well, form I, I like think football. It's a little bit easier and they do a little bit better job of it there just because there's, I don't know. It's a helmet sport. I think at it's foundation. It's so much different from basketball in that way where basketball yeah. has been this big personality driven face forward sport with a lot of their stars and where one player can so impact the team's outcome. Yeah, that's true for football too, to an extent, especially with quarterbacks. But I, I do feel like this shows up a lot more for the NBA. So we did have Warriors Hornets fight last night, which I'm like the Warriors Hornets fight. What we saw end of game politics where someone's mad at someone else for putting a shot up at the end of the game. Never really understand. Always seems kind of lame. The heat Pelicans fight that one. I rocked with a little bit more because in that game, you said plenty of time left in the game. Zion Williamson goes up for a layup and you have Kevin love wrap him up and try and in Kevin loves words. He thought he was trying to protect him, bring him down ends up throwing Zion on the ground. And so I am always going to be a fan of, hey, when your star player is getting hit by the other team, you got to show up in the picture. And we saw a bunch of dudes show up in the picture, Dad. You know that's the number one rule of fight club, especially when it pertains to team sports, is I got to see you going towards the fray. And we had tons of dudes going towards the fray for both sides in that game, Heat and Pelicans. Yeah, you you can't waste any time on that one. You got to go help. It's like when a quarterback something bad happens to a quarterback, which in the NFL's case now getting touched, um, the, you know, you see the O-line sprinting over there and that's exactly what they should do. So I'm with you. The The problem is the proximity of the bench and how quickly you can get fined for coming off a bench, you know, in, in, as opposed to the NFL, you got a lot of room where you got a lot of time to realize I shouldn't be doing this and I'm going to get nailed, especially if it's on the other side of the field. Court's not very big, you know, so you're going to get players coming off. And, and, and you're right. I mean, Zion 
didn't take offense to it at all. He had tried for a layup. He missed it. It was 84-80. Butler got the ball. He ended up stealing it from Butler right there in the paint and went back up. And as you mentioned, it love wrapped him up. And Zion knew what was happening and just got up and was started to walk away when his all his friends came, uh, which you're right, is what you need to do. You just, you know, when it turns into a melee, that the toughest part for me would be if I'm on the bench, not coming off the bench and trying to trying to grab, you know, another color jersey. Zion was defending Kevin Love after that brawl. He said he actually protected me on my fall. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you and if you're Zion, that's all well and good. You got to thank the homies for coming yeah. to your defense there, all right? Because there yep. were suspensions handed down at that one, including uh, Miami Heat uh, guard Jimmy Butler and five other players were suspended without pay for their role in that game on Friday. Uh, Jimmy Butler and Pelicans forward Najee Marshall each got one game uh, in that suspension. And then Jose Alvarado and Heat center Thomas Bryant were suspended three. They were the ones that left the bench area in the fight right. when that happened there. We did have one more fight, and this is just a clever segue into reminding people that we were right about what went on with the Minnesota Timberwolves before this weekend with the Milwaukee Bucks. But there was a lame fight there where Dennis Schroeder didn't like the fact that Mike Conley Jr. took a three at the end of the game, even though the shot clock was winding down. That was the lamest fight of the weekend. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City Featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Hey, Sarah, I loved that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was edited so well. I think you're so talented. Social media interactions are only positive when you use Zigazoo. Zigazoo is the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. Your kids can upload their content and see what their friends are up to. With Zigazoo, they can create videos, enter to win prizes, and try out the latest dances and trends. There's no commenting, no text messaging, and everything is 100% human moderated. Plus, all community members are real, verified kids just like yours. There are no bots, trolls, or AI. Because Zigazoo is about one thing and one thing only, and that is fun. Try out Zigazoo this spring break and let your kids share your vacation blogs and best edits with their friends safely. Download the Zigazoo app today. That's Z-I-G-A-Z-O-O. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services.
Exciting weekend around college football. A little top 10 upset. Wake Forest knocking off number eight Duke. But the game spoiled a little bit after Kyle Filipowski got injured as Wake Forest fans stormed the court after the upset dub. So his coach sounding off on this situation after the game. Disappointed we lost. Uh, but look, for me, it's I'm more concerned about the, the well-being of our guys. You know, Flip sprains his ankle. When are we going to ban court storming? Like, when are we going to ban that? Like, how many times does a player have to get into something where they get punched or they get pushed or they get taunted right in their face? And it, it's a dangerous thing. And I don't want that to take away from the game that Wake played. Because Wake played a big-time game. Salas was as good as could be today, and, and hats off to them. But you look around the country, and Caitlin Clark, something happens. And now Flip, I don't know what his status is going to be. He sprains his ankle. And it's one thing, like, when I played, at least it was 10 seconds in the court, you know, you would storm the court. Now it's the buzzer doesn't even go off, and they're, they're running on the floor. And this has happened to us a bunch this year. Okay, so a big weekend around college basketball. Gojo, question for you. Is there a court storming problem in college basketball? If so, how does it get fixed? So I think this is, you could even say it's a, a larger issue of how to act at sporting events. Like we saw this as, a, I think, a spillover from what happened at the Waste Management Open in Phoenix as well, where you've got people that have been comfortable within the fan and player fan and team interaction in sports and now all of a sudden seem to be taking it a step over we really had this commentary dad since coming off the pandemic when all of a sudden you let people back outside and there was this rash of incidents that started to pop up in a way that feel a lot more frequent that felt a way a lot more frequent than before so I, as someone who has always loved the visual of a court in a field storming as someone who's been a part of it both as a player who's had the field stormed in a game that i've played in but also been at basketball games and stormed the court at notre dame when i was there as a student it's always been a fun and enjoyable experience but if we can't have the process beats down enough to where the players especially the players on the opposing team are protected in a lot of these instances and we've got fans that are i think more inclined than ever to try and go after social moments he you know, didn't even mention i remember after the notre dame usc game this year caleb williams on the field getting taunted by a notre dame fan who's videotaping him trying to get some moment online for clout they're like all of these things where you got way too many people getting close to the merchandise makes me uncomfortable and makes me wonder if there is something that should be done but also dad at this point what can be done to corral a mass of humanity like this well, you, you just have to stop it. You know, we know in the SEC, they fine schools, what, $100,000? The ACC, where this happened, and they do not fine. Work, There's no fines. <clears throat> no, no, it has not. I'm one of those that, that I never mind it. And, and let's also talk proximity. Football field is much bigger area. Now you have more people coming on the field than you do at a basketball game. But there is more room out on the field as opposed to a basketball court where, I mean, you are right there on the players before they can even get off. I heard Shire talking about, in his day, it used to be 10 seconds. I don't know. I'm not going to lie. I don't remember that. Nope. I don't remember being able to hold off a crowd for 10 seconds. If you could do that, listen, that's the answer, right? 
But I have no idea if you have the ability to do that if people just start bum rushing the court. Because, I, you know, we're, we're talking about college students here, 18 to 21-year-olds, having a good time, mob mentality. They see a few go, they're going to go because everybody else is going. I don't mind it. I like to see it. But you can't do it at the expense of athletes. A, if they're getting hurt. B, if now we have the cell phones are getting taunted. You can't do anything to the opposing team, which is tough to say when you have thousands of fans and students running on and you know they've been drinking as well of what may go on. So I I wish I had an answer for this because it's either you can't afford to have anybody hurt. You saw Filipkowski hurt. You saw Caitlin Clark run into. You mentioned uh, Caleb Williams getting taunted. So that can't happen. That, 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 that just can't. And these are the ones that we see how many times maybe as it happened that we, and nothing has been reported about it. So something has to happen. I like it. I would say we keep doing it. If you, in fact, could go back to the 10-second rule, I think that would solve a hell of a lot of things. The visiting team we know could get off the court in time. Other than that, Mike, I, I don't know an answer to this outside of just outlawing it. Gojo, I think the reality is here, like, serious change is going to, to be required only when there's a little bit more than like a close call, like something way more serious is going to have to happen. Maybe like life altering injuries or something like that. But the uproar after every court storming incident just fizzles out eventually because schools are like, Hey, listen, the fun outweighs the risks. Well, and and I guess that's the problem is one. And this is kind of what comes up constantly in college athletics is we need you to care a little bit more about the athletes involved when things like this come up, because it shouldn't take that like glancing blows to two star players in college basketball should be a bit of a wake up call. And dad mentioned college basketball has got a unique proximity problem because of how small the court is compared to its football counterpart. I totally agree on that. And dad, you know this too, and as someone who's been on the field for these things happen, like there's usually a security protocol where your focus as the security in arena is on getting the visiting team protected and out of there. You've got eyes on that stuff because this was something everyone knew was coming. Like for anyone that wants to potentially bash Wake for the idea of a court storming here, I don't think understands like the local proximity of these ba- these schools and these programs down there. Like outside of North Carolina and Duke, there's not an opponent Duke's played more frequently than Wake Forest. This is not a, a, a win that happens much for Wake. And so everyone should have known, hey, if this goes our way, people are going to be flooding the core, which means we've got to have it ready for what we're going to do to protect the Duke players specifically when this comes up. Because when you have moments like this, Dan, I'm with you, though. I don't know what happens at this point. Because this is a lot of people that you're trying to stop. And you mentioned the SEC's instituted fines for people that storm the quarter, storm the field in that conference. And it hasn't mattered. The schools are willing to eat it and foot the bill and the players and the the students in the stands. There's too many to stop. Once you've established this is a thing we do, again, that's why I think waste management's a really interesting comp with this. Once you've established this is what we do here, this is the kind of fun you can have here. People come to see that as a right of theirs. Oh, if I'm here, I get to storm the court if a good thing happens. Everyone loves it. The TV, I heard Jay Billis talking about it. The networks love it. They show it. It's a great visual for the sport. They run it in one shining moment. We see it at the end of the year in college football season. It's a huge part of the sell of the atmosphere of the sport, which is uniquely college. And so I wonder how you even put the toothpaste back in the tube at this point, like what you can do to stop that group of people from going out here and doing what they want to do. So it's uh, to me, it's it's one of three things, right? And I, I'd imagine there's a variation of, or probably more. I'm just thinking right off the top of my head. You either stop it, 
say it's not happening anymore, outlaw it. You, I, I have to see again, delay it. Can you delay it 10 seconds? So the visiting team can, because you're right. You know situations where it's going to happen, you know, at the end. So yeah. can you delay it enough to get the visiting team off? Or third, you know something like that's going to happen. You have to have security sprint on the court to the players that are on the court, the visiting players that are on the court, and shield them and usher them off the court while the court is being stormed. Because while fans, you know, may run into players or taunt players, if there's a security person around that player, they may not do anything. So I'm just trying to think out loud. Those are three of the options. We, I don't think we want the option where there's no more stork corn, uh, a storm, a court storming. I knew I could get it out. Uh, so, so what's the alternative to protecting the student athletes? Which, which no, no court storming is worth it if players are going to get hurt. I was going to say, I think that's, and ultimately, this is always where my pro player bias is going to come in. It's like if people have displayed they can't handle this and they can't not go out there and mess with the merchandise, then you get the fun thing taken away. Like that's that's unfortunately the reality here is the players are always going to be the most important part of this. I don't care as much fun as I had doing it. Like I was a literal cord stormer. And if you told me, yeah, listen, we got to protect the people out there. You kind of understand and get it. The people that have been trying to blame flipping all of this, showing him shoving the student like, yeah, because they're in his area. You came out. This is like going out into nature and then under bidding. This is like the people that go to Yellowstone and play with the buffalo and then act surprised when all of a sudden they see a grandma get flipped 30 feet in the air. descend on Indianapolis this week for the scouting combine. Yes, Mike favorite NFL event of the year. So we're going to have a little bit of fun here on Gojo and Golik right now, a little combine of our own. Let's start with the three cone drill. So this one is simple. You guys don't have to do anything physical. Just put your brain to work. Give us three guys you are keeping an eye on this week at Indy. Maybe guys who are set to make a big splash here, Gojo. Yep, as we get going here, uh, Dad, and just a little housekeeping for the schedule of events, you'll have D-linemen and linebackers first up on Thursday, DBs and tight ends Friday. Saturday, we get the money that everyone's looking for, quarterbacks, wide receivers, and running backs. And then Sunday, we finish off with the beef, the offensive line, getting after it. And they're going to go through all these drills, Dad, that, as you mentioned, at these big box facilities all over the country, they're training guys for instead of actually having them do football stuff. And the three-cone, one of the more complicated ones, but uh, thankfully for us, it's pretty easy, Dad. Three guys going into this week uh, that you think have a chance to blow up the combine, the three guys that you're most excited about checking out this week, because everyone's going to focus on, the quarterbacks, dad, who's throwing yeah. and who's not at this point, Caleb Williams and Jaden Daniels going to go out there and throw for scouts at the combine, but you're going to see Bo Nix, JJ McCarthy and Michael Penix Jr. All have elected to go and throw for drills there, which is certainly going to draw interest from a lot of people. But is there anyone else, dad, that you're most excited to see in this? Ball? Yeah. And, and first, as I mentioned, that three cone drill too bad, too bad. You can't, you can't watch any film on these guys in actual football equipment changing direction. God, I know that's hard to get that film. It's secretive. So you need them in shorts and a T-shirt to run around some cones. 
Good stuff. All right. And, and listen, let me reiterate, I do not blame the players in any of this. They're just training for what the league has set up here. So for me, first-round guys are first-round guys, right? We kind of know most of who they're going to be. So who's the guys that can maybe jump up? Maybe use the combine, and as I've talked about, not for that specific drill to move you up, but to say, hey, let me go watch some more tape on this guy. Let me start first with Jalen Wright, a running back from Tennessee. at his first 1,000-yard season last year. Uh, he's 5'11", 200 pounds, so he kind of came onto the scene with that first 1,000 season, caught over 20 passes uh, as well, but the question on him is his speed, so everybody is going to look at the 40-yard dash, so what big box is he working out at, how are they working on a stance which doesn't resemble a football stance at all, and a stance he'll never get into again in his football life when he, when he runs this 40, yet here it's going to be. Mike, on this 40-yard dash, could this push him to a day-two guy if he can run a fast enough 40? But I'm rooting for you, Jalen, and I'm sure he's working on that 40. God, it just dripping with sarcasm and doubt here. I just, <laughs> I, it, you know what is funny is I was thinking about your line about how you can't bring the bench press out on the 50-yard line before you said it was a line your dad had yep. said all the time. You kind of do on every play. Like, when you really think about it, like – it's why we lift all them weights. So we kind of do bring the bench press out onto the 50 yard line. You kind of look. I, I, I probably have more fun with this than I should. You, what you do, you use a little bit of all of this, right? Straight ahead speed. How do your hips shift? How strong are you? But quite honestly, what is not measured and I'll take, listen, I'd love strength as well. Give me Reggie white where you have strength and leverage, but give me leverage, you know, Give me proper technique and give me leverage, and I'll I'll get a guy. You you give me the strongest offensive lineman in the world who has no technique and a D lineman who's not as strong but has technique. I'm taking the technique guy. You know, I I just am. Over over the long haul, he's going to win, and that's not something that's measured a whole lot at the combine. Uh, I'm sure there's someone poking and prodding in the back as the uh, medicals get underway. That's going to see just how bendy these guys are to get in that position. I'll take the low hanging fruit on this one, dad. JJ McCarthy is going to be a fascinating conversation all week in the combine. Yes. And I think this is less any one physical drill. Although I do think seeing JJ McCarthy throwing consistently next to Michael Penix, Jr. Bo Nix guys who were in a lot more pass heavy offenses than what we saw from Michigan during the entirety of their national championship season I do think this is one of those spots, and you hear scouts talk about it all the time, just seeing these guys go out there and throw one right after another. And we know how these quarterback drills work, where quarterback will go out there, he'll throw for a handful of plays, the next guy will run in and be the guy throwing for these receivers. And so seeing what it looks like with J.J. McCarthy next to a lot of these guys a little bit more consistently, I think is going to be important as much as it is hey, what do the interviews sound like? What do you get from this guy from the neck right. up? And what is the explanation going to be? Because I'm sure he's going to be asked, hey, if we're supposed to take you in the first round, why weren't there more instances when you were at Michigan where you were the one called upon in big moments to go and throw them through games? You, you and I both agree he's a real interesting one where he's getting projected to possibly go compared to the other quarterbacks when it's a throwing league right now and they lean so much on the run. That is an interesting one. Uh, my three, my two more, they're definitely guys that aren't household names. Another one I'm going with Isaiah Williams, a wide receiver at Illinois. This is a guy who went to Illinois as a quarterback and then went to wide receiver at 5'8". Well, at least that's the thought, 5'8", or is he taller than that, of what he's doing at wide receiver. 2023, he had uh, uh, over 1,000 yards, 
five touchdowns. And the NFL, you know, they love the slot right now. So it's amazing for, I just talked about the last guy, the running back in the 40. For Isaiah, it may be what the tape measure says, right? Are you 5'8 or are you 5'10? You know, we know what these measurables are like, you know, at, at the combine, the size of the hands, how tall are you in that? So I think this is a guy that can make an impact in, at the slot position, a really important position in the NFL right now. Yeah, it's, it's certainly one that's, I won't want to say become incredibly in vogue, but man, it's used a lot more in so many of these, especially Shanahan McVay offenses where you got guys that can raise hell in the middle of the field. I'll go two more. I've been looking forward to watching this guy's combine for a couple of years now. Peyton Wilson, linebacker out of NC State, was an award winner in college football this year, has been hurt a bunch in his career, so the medical is going to be really important for him. But, Dad, this dude's got a jetpack strapped to his back. When you watch him in the open field hawking down wide receivers, for NC State, the two years ago had the best linebacker group in the ACC. He lost a bunch of his buddies this past weekend, was out there a little bit more solo, but an absolute physical freak. Now, he's a little bit down. This is a crowded outside linebacker class led by guys like Dallas Turner, Liatu, lot to chop Robinson out of Penn State but Peyton Wilson's a guy who at the very least tons of special teams upside and is going to be an absolute testing phenom even with the amount of injuries this guy suffered in his college career feel like he's been in college for about nine years I called a couple of his games back when I was finishing up at ESPN but I love him he is such a tough player my last one's going to be Jared Wiley a tight end out of TCU he transferred over to TCU was all big 12 first team this past year and then won uh, the Player of the Week award, a tight end, for the Senior Bowl. He's 6'6", about 253. Some are making a little comparison to Sam Laporta, and we saw between Laporta and Dalton what rookie tight ends Michael Mayer later in the season can do in this league and the effect they can have in this league. He'll work on his blocking, but he's a guy, a big guy, 6'6", good hands that can run the seam really well. So I wonder how much you know this, this combine can help this guy, his look that he has, and him catching the ball down the middle of the field. Yeah, he was a monster during TCU's run to the national title a year ago. Was an integral part of their red zone offense. Big time, I big time dude there. So uh, no doubt about that one there. Dad, the last one I'll go with uh, just to get some beef on the board. Uh, this is a crowded offensive tackle class. We've talked about it at the top between uh, guys like uh, guys like Joe Alt coming out of Notre Dame and uh, Olu Shashanu right. out of Penn State. But I look at Kingsley Suomataya out of BYU. Former five-star player, just a gigantic mass of humanity. This is one of those O-linemen that has a chance to be a combine freak who blows it up with all the numbers and gives you a lot of the testing stuff that everybody looks like. To your point, it's still, he's a good player on the field. I haven't gone back and watched him in totality yet to get ready for this, but he seems like one of the guys in that group on the O-line that has a chance to really test out of the roof on this thing. Yep. So get ready for it, gang. I mean... (laughs) I don't want it. Let, let's not make it sound like I hate this thing. I love watching it. I love the players training for these drills to go out and perform them to the best of their ability and put yourself in the best position you can and then digest that information how you need to use for these guys. But this is this is their interview, man. This is their interview. So you look forward to see how they're going to do.
Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City Featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zigazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Zigazoo is moderated by real, live people who review content before it's posted on the feed. (laughs) I especially love the dance challenges. So much fun. Oh, and there's no comments or messaging, so you don't get any of that negativity that's all over other social networks. All my friends love it. I love that it's KidSafe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Uh, That's great, but I wouldn't be doing Zigazoo if it wasn't fun. She would not be doing it if I didn't think her data was safe. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids! (laughs) Download the Zigazoo app today. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. Let's send it over to the Eastern Studios for a quick betting update. With opening day not too far away, let's take a look at the latest odds to win the National League MVP. I'm Tim Murray from VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. This year, remember, the NL has both of last year's MVPs. Ronald Acuna Jr., he won the NL MVP a year ago. He sits at plus 550. Last year, hit 41 home runs and had 106 RBI for the Atlanta Braves. The AL MVP from a year ago, Shohei Otani, stayed in L.A., but he's now a Dodger, and he's plus 650 to win NL MVP. 304 batting average, 44 home runs, 95 RBI. Mookie Betts, his teammate in L.A., he also sits at plus 650. Last year, 39 home runs for Mookie, 107 RBIs in San Diego. Fernando Tatis Jr. sits at 10 to 1, and Bryce Harper in Philly, also 10 to 1. For more, head to vison.com. Like we were just discussing, the NFL may have hit a few jackpots there during Super Bowl week in Las Vegas because the salary cap 
$255.4 million per team. That puts the cap here, Gojo, at more than double where it was about a decade ago. That was $123 million in 2013. So I don't know about you. This is easily and most definitely the Taylor Swift effect, right? But what does this mean for the league? <laughs> what does this mean for decisions teams are going to be facing here in free agency and also the draft? It's so true, man. ESPN or I uh, said the NFL needs to worry about its Taylor retention program. Uh-huh. What are you going to do to keep Taylor Swift coming back to your game so the money train keeps flowing in? Also, probably means you're going to keep seeing those streaming games yeah. because they're going to keep ponying up money to make one night a week of football happen on a streaming platform. But Dad, it does change the futures for a lot of teams. First and foremost, as an example, there are three teams: San Francisco, the Green Bay Packers, and the Seattle Seahawks. That according to ESPN's roster management system projected to be over the cap as of Friday morning and are now going to be under the cap as the numbers established right now. So all of a sudden, guys that may have had to been cut to clear cap space, salaries that you're going to have to rework to make this happen are all of a sudden maybe now less at risk of being on the chopping block. But also, Deb, one of the other big things that comes from this, and it's something you hinted on last segment, is... There is a certain portion of this money that always has to go to the players. It's the way that the CBA has worked out. And so there's a floor that teams have to spend. There's a percentage that has to go to the players. And that's a potentially big bit of news for some impending free agents or guys whose contracts are coming up like Justin Jefferson, the wide receiver for the Minnesota Vikings, who everyone anticipates is going to break the bank open, is going to reset what's been a pretty stagnant wide receiver market, because no matter what you think about how many great guys are coming into the position, he's been one of the consensus names for best in the NFL, even this past year, when the quarterback situation became a little bit more unsteady in Minnesota. And now there's all of a sudden the talk of, is this going to become too much for the Minnesota Vikings to absorb at this time? And all of a sudden, these rumors and swirlings about about potentially trading Justin Jefferson around the table. So, Dad, do you think that's something that Minnesota should realistically explore, potentially trying to deal their best player and recouping some resources? So, you know, you you wonder, though, with all this money, I I mean, to me, Minnesota has to sign Justin Jefferson. And just because you have the extra money now, I know you have to obviously spend an amount of it, but the highest paid receiver now, I believe, is Tyreek Hill. So, and and we think Justin Jefferson was going to reset the market. Just because the cap is higher than people thought it was going to be, I don't think, Mike, that necessarily means he resets the market even higher now. I think he still was going to reset the market at an amount more than Tyreek Hill, but I don't think that that goes way, way past it now because I, I think you now, as you said it before, I think one of the big things that you can do is some mid-range players won't lose their jobs as a as what we call a cap casualty. They they won't have to and remember there's a difference of a pay cut and a restructure. If you're asked to take a pay cut it means exactly that, you pay cut. A restructure means you're just moving your money around getting more up front in a signing bonus so they can spread it out over the long haul. You're not basically you're not losing any money and you get more of it up front to you. So I I think or at least a lot of it will depend, obviously, that player's worth to the team. How much is he playing? What's he doing on the field? To where I do think you can see less cap casualties. I don't think all of a sudden guys that are going to reset the market are going to reset it by, wow, this unbelievable amount. Like, where is Chris Jones going to be? I still think he's going to be around Aaron Donald. He's not going to be now 
$10 million more than Aaron Donald. Justin Jefferson isn't going to be $10 million more than Tyreek Hill on an annual basis, what I'm saying, a cap hit each year. I, I think it, what it does, it just gives teams more flexibilities as they go down the line from their stars to the back end of their roster. So to be clear then, you don't think this is going to be enough to push Justin Jefferson's contract to a place where it becomes so hulking and unwieldy that Minnesota at this time when they're trying to figure out their quarterback position can't handle. You think they're going to be able to re-sign no. him and should still? Oh, I think they'll be able to. Well, I, I think they were going to have to re-sign him and make him the highest paid anyway, just like we're going to get that way with Jamar Chase as well when they're going to re-sign him. He may reset the market again, but... Yes, I think Justin Jefferson was going to reset it anyway, and I think Minnesota should pay it. I mean, why in the hell would you get rid of your best player? But so I just because there's extra money, I don't think his agent is sitting there saying, well, now we're going to go 10 mil a year, like I said, over Tyreek Hill. I don't think that's going to happen. I think the money can be used to be spread out more and help teams overall while still making those guys the highest paid at their position. I, now, I don't know if Chris Jones is going to pass Aaron Donald, but he should be right there, right? So maybe this gives him the ability to, to go over it a little bit. But as I said, I don't expect monster out of whack compared to market deals for the top players. I mean, it'd be within their right to ask, though, because like this notion of the oh, you know, yes. NFL communism and spreading it around the rest of the roster is cute, but that's not how this league usually works. And so I'm sure for these guys and their agents, all they're seeing is, hey, this went up. And so now our value should go up commiserate to that, right. because while it's not like the NBA, whose contracts are largely based off percentages and that sport and bulks of the cap that, you know, the even soft cap and the tiers there that they can take up. I'm sure that's still built into the thought process for how a lot of these guys view yeah. what numbers their clients should be getting. Oh, listen, I agree. As a player, ask for all you can ask for. We know how this works. Nothing has changed because, as far as negotiating because the salary cap went up. Players are going to ask for more than the team wants to pay, and teams are going to want to pay less than the player and his agent want to get. And then it's where what you're going into this I'm sure Justin Jefferson and his agent are going to have a number that they're comfortable with. And they're not going to start off with that number. They're going to start way higher than that number. This, this isn't going to change how any of that's done. Now, will it lead to you setting that number higher and saying we won't accept anything less than that? Well, that's up to the player and the agent because we know how this works. Teams want to pay as low, low as they can. Players want to make as much as they can. So that dance isn't going to change Will the number change? We'll have to wait and see. But we probably already know, or I should say Justin Jefferson and his agent already know basically the framework of the deal that they want. It's just a matter of what best way to get there. Yeah, I, I think ultimately I agree. I think Justin Jefferson could and should end up back in Minnesota. I don't think you can let a player of this caliber walk, even in a league that's inundated by quality wide receiver talent. The guy caught for over a thousand yards with four different quarterbacks last year when Minnesota was flailing at that position, even dealing with injury the way he did during the season as well to still be as productive as he's been. I just think it's so important to whoever you're going to bring in at quarterback next, whether it's going to be re-signing Kirk Cousins or what have you, which when we talked to Justin at the Super Bowl, that was what he said he wanted. He said, hey, I don't want to have to go out and start resetting my clock and resetting all my preferences with a quarterback when we've got so much great time under task with me and Kirk Cousins 
as a veteran, but if you were going to bring someone else in or start to, you know, get a young player ready to go for the future, having a court a receiver of his caliber on that team is going to be massively important to their bottom line overall. So I'm with you for that in Minnesota. Honestly, the entire conversation of leaking this out seems like it's probably something that comes from the team, the team side, basically saying like, Hey, yep. if you chart to try and ask for too much, this is what we're willing to do. So if you want to stay here, if there's things that you like about Minnesota, Hey, we'll remind you that we can still hold the cards in this and potentially deal for you if this gets to be too much. But I think this is the beginning of a negotiation that ultimately ends with him there. Other wide receiver news that probably you mentioned Jamar Chase dad that benefits from this T Higgins, one of the only players to all uh, already be tagged as we had the franchise tag window open last week. This is a huge win for the Cincinnati Bengals who are trying to figure out, Hey, when and how do we negotiate Jamar Chase's contract for the future? Can we keep the band together for one more year? And while that free agent number, for T Higgins, I believe what 21 million uh, that he'll be paid this year yeah. at wide receiver all of a sudden becomes a lot easier to absorb with this added $15 million added to the cap and gives them a lot better chance of retaining this core and making another run with a healthy Joe Burrow this year. Huge winners. I agree. And we've talked about, we've talked about this with Kansas city. I don't think you tag Chris Jones because it cost of 32 mil, but Legereus Sneed would be, I think, 18 million. Again, I think a number you can absorb by giving Chris Jones the long-term deal. You can keep that number uh, down a little bit lower. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Hey, Sarah, I loved that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids just like yours. And all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. 